All right, y'all. We're back for episode two, season two, Hex in the City. We come in tonight talking about sacred space. Now, if you don't know what sacred space is, I'm going to go over that. I'm going to cover it. And I'm going to talk about really why it's important to have sacred space and to maintain it, especially if you are a creator or an artist or someone who does healing work. Now, sacred space or lack thereof can have a big effect on your productivity and your creativity. So I want to make sure that y'all know what y'all need to know so we can hold each other accountable to make sure we're getting our shit done. Make sure you get comfortable, get everything you need, just get in a good vibe. We're going to have a good conversation. It's Hex in the City, and it's lit. So I really, really wanted to talk about sacred space. I think the idea came to me yesterday or a couple days ago, but I was reminded um, today that it's something I wanted to talk about and really hold myself accountable for. And then I thought, okay, well, if I'm holding myself accountable and I want to share the information with others so we can just you know, do what we need to do. So sacred space. Now, if you don't know what sacred space is, it's not some secret, crazy, magical thing, right? Well, I take that back. It is magical, but it's not something um, that just anyone can cannot have. So for me, sacred space is really an intentional area that you can go to within your home to either work, to create, to do spiritual work, either prayer or meditation, um, and to get and and to get into your your feminine energy or your creative energy to do the things that you like to do, either your passion, your business, um, whatever it is that you're getting done on a day-to-day basis, your sacred space provides or holds um, the energy for you to be able to do the shit that you need to do. And so when I thought about sacred space and just reflecting on like every living space that I've had since undergrad, since actually being out on my own um, and, and really even since college, without realizing it or without having vocabulary for it or knowing that I would later call it sacred space, I have always had some small area within my space that was a sacred space that I didn't realize. Now in college, obviously, you you know, you're in your dorm room, so you already have a desk that's there. And for the most part, people, you know, like to get their work done at a desk area. Some people can get work done sitting on their bed. But for the most part, a lot of us, when we really want to get down to business, we're doing work at a desk as, as a college student, right? So your desk could be considered your sacred space inside your dorm room. But for myself, I always had a little area 
outside of a desk area that I considered sacred space. Now, this started off as altars, right? So for people who don't really know what altars are, who don't really understand, there's different types of altars. You can have um, an ancestor or an Egun shrine. You can have a bovida. You can have a white table. It varies across different belief systems, different religions. And you can also belong to or be a part of no particular religion and still have um, a spiritual table. And most of the time, this is just somewhere that you, you know, you may have your candles, you may have photographs there. Maybe this is where you put out your offering. Maybe this is where you go pray. This is where you go get centered. And the energy of that space is sacred to you because it's, it represents, um, you know, purity and um, it's an openness. It's kind of like a, a place where you can go be vulnerable and you can, you can just kind of release and recharge and do everything you need to do to be like a better version of yourself. So when I was in college, obviously I didn't have the most space, but I did have this like little, it was like a little shelf. It was a very cheap thing. I don't even know where I got it from. Maybe like, I'm not even going to say Ikea because I feel like it wasn't even that fancy, but it was just a little shelving area that before, before I went to, um, to school, I had like books and stuff on it, but I decided to make it like an altar, like a shrine area. So I would go there. I would pray. Um, this was before I really knew much about like Ifa, Congolese or like African spiritual, um, African traditional religions. So I didn't have like ancestor photos, but this was like my space. Um, and it had just things on it that made me feel good. Um, I couldn't have candles because it was college, but you get the idea. So that was my sacred space in my dorm room. My first apartment out of um, college, my best friend and I moved to an apartment in South Philly. It was on like South 15th Street, right off of like 15th and what was that? Reed? Or was it between, it was like Federal Wharton. I think that's what it's called. I may be saying the wrong thing, but it's in South Philly right by Federal. Um, and you know, I had my own room there and I had a sacred space there. Didn't have the, um, the most space. I didn't have a desk in this bedroom either, but I did have some sacred space that was like a shrine, altar area, candles, things like that. And I would get writing and stuff done. I didn't have an issue with like sitting on the floor and getting that creative energy flowing in that space. Next apartment we moved to, this was a bigger apartment. It was a duplex um, we lived, this was in North Philly, not too far from Frankfurt. And we had, oh, I love this apartment. It was just so much sunlight, so much natural sunlight, so many windows. Um, my bedroom was huge in comparison to, you know, my dorm room from school. And I loved it in comparison to our previous apartment. And this was where I really felt like I started to, to get to create more sacred space. Now, at the time, well, not at the time, my best friend is an artist as well. Um, so she does all all kinds of shit now. But um, at the time, I think she was just kind of doing like canvas stuff. But she may have been doing glasses then, glassware, but she was doing canvas stuff. So she had lots of her supplies, right? Canvases, paint brushes, paint, all kinds of shit that creative people have. Um, and between the two of us, we, we just had a lot of shit. Um and when you're creating, it's like, you know, your tools and your supplies, it has to go somewhere. And 
it's not that it's sometimes it can feel like, oh, I have all this stuff. But really, it's a good thing because it's like you're creating, you're an artist, you have supplies, you have tools. A lot of people want to create and do things and, you know, they don't even have as much supplies and material as they need. So it's a blessing to have a lot of shit, but it's also like, okay, what am I going to do with all of it? Organization and cleanliness and all that is like so important when creating a sacred space for artists because you want to come into your space and feel empowered to create. So I think it was at this apartment that I first realized that in my dream home, whatever that would be or whenever that would be um, in the future, I knew that I would have to be intentional about having a sacred space in my home that was just for creating, that was just for spiritual work, that was just for that energy, like a studio space almost within my home. I knew that I would need to have that because it's hard to set a sacred space up in the midst of everything else that you have going on. Now, luckily in that apartment, we had a lot of space. We had a lot of shit, but we had a lot of space. So there was enough room to create sacred space within that apartment because like I said, it was a duplex. We had two floors. Both of us had pretty good sized bedrooms, I think. And we also had a third bedroom that was kind of like, you know, a junk room. We did have a desk in there, but to be honest, I didn't really work out of that room. Um, so there was lots of space for us to be productive. And this was the first time that I'm realizing like, okay, I'm grateful for this space. And I know that in whatever home I end up being in with myself or with my family, I'm going to have to have a studio space or a creative space that's separate, like not in a bedroom, not in a, in a, a living room, not tucked in on the side of a dining room, like just literally a room only for creating and doing the type of work that I do like a free form creativity room for me to do feminine energy work, for me to do my tarot readings, for me to do my writing, for me to do whatever the hell I need to do on top of just being productive. It needed to be a separate space. And I realized that at that point. And in between that living situation and where I am now, I have lived in a number of different places, apartments, houses, just so many different spaces where I just did not have room to create sacred space. Um, and it was very difficult to get into my feminine energy. It was very difficult to create. It was so fucking hard to hit goals and be productive in a space that doesn't allow that energy to flow. And so I started thinking about, okay, well, you know, this I want to really speak to both people who already have their sacred space and, you know, whether it's a room or an office or whatever, and they're like, all right, girl, well, I got my sacred space. I want to talk to you guys about how we can keep and maintain that. And also to people who just don't have the room, who don't have the space, but still have to get their shit done and how you can kind of like work with what you have, right? So we want to bring the information to everybody so that we can all like prosper and flourish because we got to do what we got to do. So talking about sacred space and thinking about this phrase, um, cleanliness is next to godliness. The phrase I think is just pretty self-explanatory, but as far as doing spiritual work, 
I don't know if you've ever tried to meditate or pray in an area that was junky or messy, but it's just not giving what it was supposed to give. There's no way really for me to do spiritual work if my room is is a mess, if my altar is a mess, I just can't do it. Um, And sometimes the task of cleaning up my room at that moment is just like too much. Like if I have a a reading, a client, maybe like in an hour or something, and I'm just like, my room is a mess. I have to go to like downstairs into the dining room and do the reading there. Um, Sometimes I have left the house altogether just to get some new energy because I know for a fact that clutter is not putting me it's not giving godliness. It's not helping me to access my higher self or my best self to be a good vessel and channel to do these readings for people. Um, or even if it's not something that I'm doing for someone else, even if I'm just trying to meditate or journal or whatever, if the space isn't clean, it's wearing me out. So organization and cleanliness, these are like the top two things of creating your sacred space. Making sure that wherever you're working, wherever you're creating, wherever you're getting shit done, it has to be clean. It has to be organized. Um, I mean, some people can kind of work in, you know, in chaos, but I find overall that the energy just feels better when there's cleanliness and when there's organization. Now, when we think about creating a sacred space, um, what you're doing and you may not even realize it, like you may just think like, hey, I'm just clean, clearing off my desk or I'm just, you know, I'm just going to organize this stuff because it looks a little messy. You may think that you're just doing like a physical task, just cl- clearing something up. But really what you're doing is exercising or practicing self-care because you're giving yourself um, the the room and the energy to be productive Um and you're giving yourself you're giving you're giving back to yourself by keeping your space clean. You deserve to exist in a space that is not chaotic and that has good positive energy. So when you do take the time to be intentional about your sacred space, it's a it's an act of self-care. It's also an act of manifestation because you're sending a message to the universe that you value what you're doing and what you're trying to get done so much to the point that you're making it pristine. You're making the vibes good. You're claiming goodness because it feels good, because it looks good. And it's also just good juju. When things are clean, when space is clear, when things are organized, it's positive energy. A lot of times, I remember like in college, um, when we were younger, like a lot of people used they had this thing where, where people were like collecting um, liquor bottles, right? And like keeping them in the, the windows of their apartments or like on top of the refrigerators or the cabinets as kind of like some, I don't know, trophy or prize of how lit people were getting. Um, and, you know, spiritual folks will tell you like spirits love liquor. So you can keep all these bottles and all this shit around if you want to, but you're kind of like inviting the energy of spirits. They like alcohol. Um, And so clutter is the same thing. A lot of messiness and a lot of clutter is kind of inviting in the energy that's the opposite of the light. So you want to just make sure 
that your shit is clean and clear and under control so that if some spirits or some energy wants to come around, it's nothing but the goodness. It's nothing but good juju, right? Um, so that's that. So self-care, manifestation, and good juju. Now, these are three reasons, like, just, you know, three reasons why this is the way to go, right? Why it's a good, positive thing. And these are... um just things to keep in mind when you're like, oh, is this really important? Or why do I need to do this? You're giving back to yourself. You're taking care of yourself. You're manifesting good energy for your business, um, for your work. And it's good juju, like passive, passive magic that you're doing by keeping your space clean. Another thing about um, having a sacred space and being intentional is that it validates your work. It validates your work or your art or whatever it is that you're trying to do because it's showing yourself and again, the universe that you care about what it is that you're doing enough to give yourself clean space. Have you ever tried to sit down at your desk or whatever area you do what you do and it's just a mess and you're like, can I even think? Can I even do what I need to do? And then it just feels like I don't want to do none of this shit. My desk is a mess. This space is a mess. These all this stuff in the way. I don't want to do any of this. Um, when your space is clean and it feels good, you could be at a job or doing a job that you really don't even like that much. But when that desk is clean, when that space is clean, you're going to be feeling like the boss because you're going to feel more empowered to get done what needs to get done, even if it's not your favorite thing. And if it is your favorite thing, if it's your art, you know, if you're a creator or whatever it is that you're doing, especially if we're talking about like studio space, like if you make videos and things like that, a world of difference, a world of difference. It validates what it is that you're trying to do. It validates your work. Productivity and creativity and execution literally fucking skyrocket. On the first episode of Hex in the City, I talked a lot about trauma and how trauma affects the body and our productivity and how we may not feel our best so we're not hitting our goals, we're not executing. And amidst this uh, time frame that I referenced in the first podcast where I've been had been feeling like just not productive and just stagnant in my work, um, a lot of that what was mixed in was that my sacred space well, my space just wasn't giving sacred. How about that? Um, I like to move things around as much as I can. Like I'm a feng shui type of person. I like new energy. Um, if the space permits, I try to move my bedroom around when the seasons change or when there's a major shift or something just to give it some some energy. Um, and even though I really like the way that my bedroom is now, the way that I had it previously was a better setup for my business as far as Zuri's bookshelf because of where I had my printer. When orders came in, it was super easy to print out shipping labels, order um, order labels and things like it was just really set up in a good way where I felt good about like that end of my business as far as the um, the website. Now, where my printer is now and how things are set up, it's almost kind of like tucked away like in an out of sight out of mind space so it doesn't feel like you know I don't feel as I don't know it just doesn't seem like it's as 
easy to access. I mean, it's not put away, but it's not as good as it was before. And I noticed just how I'm not as motivated to um to access it because if I have an influx of orders and I have to print out a lot of a lot of things, I love that and I'm grateful that people are supporting, but it's like, okay, so now that I say I get six orders, I know I got to print out these um, shipping labels. I got to print out the order forms. I have to get the packages ready. I have to get the um, the shipping things together. I have to get cards, the business cards to go down inside of each package. I have to get this. I have to get that. I got to get the bubble wrap. I got to do all this shit. And I'm grateful that I you know, have that work. But if everything is all over the place, that process doesn't seem seamless and it seems more burdensome if my sacred space is not given what it's supposed to give. So productivity and execution will skyrocket if you keep your sacred space clean and organized because it doesn't feel like a burden. When you have to, oh, where's this? What did I, when was the last time I saw this? Where's the, this, where's that? Where's this? It's like, it almost feels like you don't even want to do what you're supposed to be doing. When everything is where it should be, you're so much more productive. You execute things flawlessly or faster um, and you feel good about it um, because you're just, you know, you're just getting through it and it doesn't feel like a difficult task. You feel confident and that is very important for entrepreneurs um, of any kind. When you feel good and confident about your work, your product, your business, the way things are going, when you're feeling really good, it's really good for business. I think during tourist season for my business was the last time that I feel like I just feel like I was at a peak there with my confidence for Zori's Bookshelf, for clients, for tarot clients. For um, I was writing more. I was hitting my writing goals for my second book. And that's a whole nother podcast. And we're going to talk about meeting goals for writing projects. But during Taurus season, I mean, it makes sense because that's prosperity season, right? That's Venus season. Um, Chip was just giving what it was supposed to give. I mean, I felt really good. Things were flowing. The, the coins were flowing. I felt super creative. The manifestation was on and popping. And I felt really confident. Um, And I will say that that confidence will skyrocket when you keep your sacred space in a, a, when you, when you keep it sacred, let's just say that when you keep your space sacred, um, you just feel, you feel better. And if you are someone who has anxiety, I mean, to be honest, anyone can have an anxious mood. It doesn't have to be a clinically diagnosed thing. Um, For some people, it is more severe and they do have to maybe have medicine or have, um, you know, some more extreme things that they have to do to manage it. But for the most part, human beings, we all can experience anxious moods. And if it's one thing that I know triggers my anxiety it's mess. Mess will have my anxiety wearing me out. I have known this since I was a kid. Um, I've always been an anxious cleaner. This is not to say that my space doesn't get messy because I'm being completely transparent. 
I, my shit gets messy sometimes. And that's how I know. That's how I know that mess and clutter triggers my anxiety because I'm, I'm living it sometimes. My room is a mess. And sometimes it's not about like dirtiness. It's just about things piling up, right? So maybe you wash clothes, you dry your clothes, you don't have time to fold them. It's a pile of clothes. Then you may have just, you know, a stack of books. Maybe you were studying something, you were going through something, and now the books are off the shelf and they're out of place. Um, I have so many different tarot decks, right? So sometimes my cards are just not um, neatly in their place because I may have a, a few readings back to back and I'm trying to like, you know, cleanse the cards and get ready. And sometimes it just creates clutter. And then you look up and it's like, and you like you hear that fucking horror movie like thrasher sound and it just feels like the room is caving in on you on top of the fact that i'm a virgo two strong virgo placements on top of the fact that i was raised by eloise gable branham sis did not play when it came to the cleaning my friends like there have been times when we've just been socializing and We'll just look up and I'm just in the corner, like scrubbing something. It don't even have to be my house, y'all. It could be your house. I just, I just have to have order. Things have to be um, in order. Sometimes it just, it just bothers me. So my anxiety is highly triggered by a bunch of shit. Um, And that's really speaks to the initial point about self-care. So if you are a person who knows that your anxiety is triggered by clutter. I mean, most people, I'm, well, let's not say most, but a lot, I don't know. A lot of us can't really deal with clutter. A lot of people just can't deal with clutter. Um, if you know that you're a person whose anxiety is triggered by that, then you want to make sure that you're being extra intentional about keeping your space clean because not only is it your um, mental health, or your emotional health or your well-being. But if you have anxiety, you're not going to be able to be productive. You're not going to be able to get anything done. I know I surely cannot, I can barely even access my good feminine energy to get creative and to start to do stuff. And by the way, when I'm saying this, um, referencing this feminine energy, just in case I have listeners who are not familiar with like my work or familiar with these terms, um, Feminine energy is creative energy. So I don't want you to get that confused with like whatever you may be getting it confused with. But feminine energy, um, navel chakra energy, it's it's where we get our creativity from. A lot of times we think about, if you ever um, heard of Frank Ocean's album, Channel Orange, Channel Orange, orange is the color associated with your navel chakra. And your navel chakra is like your inner child. It's your joy. It's your creativity. So when Frank is talking about channeling orange, or at least this is my interpretation, when he's talking about channeling orange, he's like, channel your creativity, channel the feel good things, channel the things that make you feel happy. Um, This is love. This is joy, um, creativity, laughter, love, all those things. So if you... um, have anxiety and clutter, you're not going to be able to channel orange or purple or blue or green or nothing the fuck else because the walls are caving in on you. Um, so be mindful of that because sometimes you may be having, I, I, I 
have literal anxiety attacks. Um, I haven't had a an extreme anxiety attack since I was living in Philly. Thank God. Like the last one that I had in Philly where it was giving like chest pains um, and law and like shortness of breath. Now, I've definitely had some anxiety attacks since then that were like a little like, okay, nothing that extreme, but I definitely have anxiety attacks in clutter. And so I have to make sure that I'm doing my best to not let things get overwhelmed too much. Um, And while I'm talking about that, the point that I really want to hit when it comes to this, because in the beginning I said, you know, I want us all to have the information that we need. So if you are one of those people who are blessed and lucky, I don't know if this is luck, if this is a blessing, but if you are in the position to have a studio space in your house or an office space or whatever, but just a separate room that is not your bedroom, that is not your living room, but a completely separate room to just get your shit done. You know, make sure that you practice gratitude for that. If it's the norm for you, then it may not feel like something like whoop-de-doo, but it is. it makes so much of a difference to have that, that space. And in the moment, I don't have a space separate from my bedroom that is completely devoted to my work. Now, these days, I like to consider myself more so like a freeform creative because I'm doing writing, I'm doing mindfulness education um, and creating resources for mindfulness education, for emotional education. I'm doing tarot reading. I'm doing astrology readings. Um, I'm writing a book. I'm making products for a business and a hundred more ideas that I'm coming with on a day-to-day basis. So I am doing a lot of things in addition to um, not even just things that I'm doing for my business, but then I have my own spiritual self-care systems. I have to have a space to um, to pray, to meditate, to pour libation. Um, if you don't know what pour libation, you know, some of us, um, it's an African tradition to pour libation to your ancestors, to pour water, um, People do it before ceremonies, before events. People do it when they rise. You can pour water down inside of a plant um, and you speak your ancestors' names, um, who you're paying homage to, your bloodline ancestors, your spirit guides, um, ancestors that we have that have passed, that have been a part of the struggle um, for our, I'm I'm sorry, not the struggle, but a part of the fight for our liberation. So that's, that's a whole nother, um, podcast, but, um, I have to have space to do that. Um, and, and all my other stuff that I have to do spiritually to keep myself afloat that doesn't have anything to do with making coins. This is just for myself. And I don't have a space separate from my bedroom to do this. Now, someone once told me a while ago when I was living in Philly when I was studying more African traditional religion and learning about altars and shrines and all that. And one thing that, you know, I learned about spiritual space and shrines, oh, this is definitely its own episode, but 
it's all about intention, right? You may not have every single thing that you want to have at that moment, but it's about intention. So if you got yourself some water, a candle, and a few other things there, spirit can spirit understands where your heart is and what you're trying to do. But I was told at one point cuz um I had, I think I had either either had gotten a reading or had went to a misa. I was somewhere with a friend and there were elders and we're talking about spiritual space. And I was like, yeah, I have my stuff set up in my bedroom. And it was like, well, you know, the ancestors like to have their own space. They like to be in their own space. They don't want to be, you know, cooped up with you in your bedroom and your mess and whatever you have going on and your sneaky links and all of that. (laughs) But unfortunately, this is the space that I have right now, right? So... What I, who I really want to talk to now, because, you know, we spend all this time talking about sacred space in general and to the folks who are blessed and lucky enough to have a separate room to create and do what you need to do. You know, y'all are having it up. But right now, I really want to talk to folks who may not necessarily have that space and talking to myself. So how can we make it work? Right. How can we be intentional about making our space sacred when we don't really have a lot of space to work with. Um, And I feel that I've kind of mastered this (laughs) because, like I said, I've lived in a lot of, even when I um, have lived alone, like in my last apartment in Philly, the one that caught fire before I moved here, I didn't even have an office there. Yes, it was a one-bedroom apartment. I had my own space, but I didn't have an office Um, And I didn't have a separate space. So this is not to make anyone feel bad about their living space or anything. Because, you know, the fact that you have a roof over your head in general, that's a blessing in itself. So we're going to make it work. So how can we make it work? One thing that I realized is small spaces and corners. Um, If you don't have a desk, if you do not have the room to have as much sacred space as you want, look at the corners of your space. Um... And I want to break this down really right now just for spiritual work. And then I'll double back to how you can make it work um, if you're looking for like creating an office space. But if you're trying to create some sacred spiritual space in a room where you don't have the most um, space, look at the corners. Are there any free corners in your room, in your bedroom or wherever you're trying to create this space? Corners and on the floor are really good for minimalist sacred space. So this is if you don't have a table, if you don't have a desk, but you know that you have a spiritual self that needs to be fed and you need to have some area. Hit the corner, sis, or bro, hit the corner. Um, Not only is it good to sit on the floor to connect with spirit, but you're um, charging your root chakra, excuse me, by sitting on the floor. So don't feel bad about that. Hit those corners, sit on the floor. Find some small area that you can just make a vibe that you can create a vibe um think about wall space wall space is very important when you don't have a lot of space so a lot of times we want to have things like laid all out but if you have wall space you can create space with shelving so think about shelves floating shelves are amazing to help you create space if you don't have it on the floor 
Ikea has some pretty cheap floating shelves, and I'm pretty sure Amazon and some other sellers, trying to find some Black-owned folks, if you can, that have floating shelves because it allows you to get shit up off the floor and have it where you can see it so it can be beautiful and nice and create that vibe, especially if it's candles and spiritual supplies and things like that. But you don't have to worry about having a desk or a table. You can get those floating shelves or bookshelves and put your things on that. Um, and containers. Containers, a container store or Amazon or wherever you go. Sometimes it just helps to have things like tightly tucked away in their own space and then stacked. Um, and then labeled. These are just a few little hacks for people who don't have the most space to create some spiritual sacred space. But I will always suggest looking on Pinterest and Googling um, because Pinterest has a lot of good ideas for minimalist living. So if you type in minimalist living or minimalism, take those ideas and flip it so that it works for your spiritual space. You're going to be you're going to be lit. It's going to be good. Now, if you're thinking about creating sacred space for just work, um, workspace, and you don't have a desk, there are ways that you can kind of create like a pop-up desk, right? Um, they have these things. I don't know the name of them, but they're almost kind of like, I know you remember like how back in the day in some of the old movies from the 50s, they had the ironing boards that kind of like came out the wall and they, you know, just like float it there and you can get your ironing and pop it back up. They actually have tables and like fold down desks that do that same thing. So if you have a little, little bit of space and you don't really have the floor room to bring in a desk, then look into getting one of those. I don't really know the name. I wish I knew the name, but I'm trying to describe it the best of my ability. One of those fold down, um, like from the wall desk. And it's think of like a tray table on a plane. It kind of does just literally does the exact same functioning as that, but it would be on your wall. And it doesn't look, they, they create them so that they don't look tacky. Um, and this is if you just don't have the space, but you need to be able to write. I don't know about y'all, but I cannot write and do things laying in bed. Um, I just can't. So, um, and I'm not always able to work in the dining room or the living room of my house. So sometimes I have to get a lot of work done in my bedroom. And this will be a great idea for people who just um, don't have a, an office area or a space. Um, but of course, you know, you can always use your dining room and living room for workspace if we're talking about office space. Now, for people who are artists, artists, and we're talking about like, um, you know, you paint or you're a photographer or you you create and make things. The floor area as well would be helpful for you if you don't have a desk or a table, similar to how we use that hack for spiritual uh, sacred space. So if you have a corner on a floor somewhere, um, you can use that space, give yourself a nice white cloth. This is works for spiritual space and art space. Um, and same for the shelving, the wall floating shelves and the containers works for the spiritual space as well as the artistic space. Um, these are just some quick, um, easy ideas to help create sacred space for people who don't have a lot of room, but of course, continue to Google, continue to use your imagination. Um, and don't 
feel too bad. I know sometimes I just feel like I just don't have enough. I don't have enough space. I don't have enough room. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough that. And that's scarcity mindset. So we don't want to operate from a space of lack or scarcity because it sends not a good message to the universe about our power. So just try to practice gratitude as much as possible if you are in a space that is smaller or not as comfortable for you to do your work. Because I know it's very frustrating when you have a gift, when you have a talent, when you have a business and you want to create shit and do stuff and execute, you get all these ideas. And if I'm telling you now, if I had a studio space um, or a room that was specifically for me to get shit done... I would be giving more than what I'm giving now. But I don't want to use it as an excuse, but I do want to just, um, I just want to, you know, honor that part of me that recognizes that that's something that I need. So if it's something that you need, I hope that these um, these points were helpful to you um, in just realizing like, hey, and maybe, you know, you didn't even think you didn't even realize that you needed sacred space. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to be an artist or a creative person or to do healing work to need sacred space. You could be literally unemployed and still need sacred space because spiritually you need to have somewhere that you can go to do what you need to do. Now, it doesn't have to be the fanciest, um, You know, when it comes to prayer and meditation, you can do that stuff in the shower. You can do it wherever it needs to do. You can step outside. But it really does help to have just some area, some small space that you can have a few trinkets and things that are intentionally for you to recharge, to feel good, to be creative. So that is um, first our first point that I wanted to hit today. So I hope you all took some notes. Um. We're going to give you a little time to get yourself together. We're going to come back with our next segment because y'all know I didn't do Poor Unfortunate Souls on our first episode. So we doing that next. It's Hex in the City. It's lit. Poor Unfortunate Souls in pain, in need. Now... I would really like to keep this as short and sweet as possible. And I'm I'm going to try to hold myself accountable for that, for this poor, unfortunate soul. And it should be no mystery. Um, defeatist this week has really gagged us all with his, um, with his, I, I just want to say like low capacity, <laughs> Um, But the antics, um, the baby's antics this week are just, I swear, I, these things are living, living rent free in my mind. I can't even get the words out. Had to do a live um, on Instagram because I just couldn't. I'm not going to go all into full details because by now I know y'all know what happened and what was said. This episode's poor unfortunate soul, unfortunately, is the baby. Um, I just can't fathom a person, a grown adult speaking negatively 
against people who are affected by HIV and AIDS. I just never thought that I would see the day <laughs> when this would happen. Um, homophobia, like, I mean, you know, we know rappers and people in hip hop don't like the gays. But I have never in my life that I can recall heard a person coming for people with HIV. Like, I just don't think I've ever heard it. Um, and that's just unfortunate. What's also unfortunate is that a lot of times the homosexual community or the LGBTQ um, community is lumped in with HIV or with just diseases in general. Um, because we know that homosexual people are not the only ones who carry diseases, um, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, homosexual people are not the only ones who are affected by HIV. And also, there are lots of people who have contracted HIV or who have HIV that did not get it from a sexual encounter or a sexual exchange. This is information that I thought that we all knew. Um, I just was really confused by the comments. The apologies seemed to be doubling down, to be digging a bigger hole. And then I had to just ask myself, like, well, what really are your expectations of somebody called the baby, right? Like, if you a baby and you childish, just say that. Um, I just, my mouth was literally open when I saw the clips. <laughs> I couldn't believe that this man had the nerve to say, well, my fans who are gay didn't really get upset because my fans are not the nasty gays. The nasty gays, like, and I'm doing air quotes, the nasty gays has been living rent-free in my mind since I saw that. The nasty gays, y'all. Like, that is not real. My fans are not the nasty gays. They don't have HIV. They, they ain't doing that. They ain't living their life like that. What the fuck are you talking about, bro? There's so many, like, levels of wrong in all of the videos and comments and tweets and things. There's just so many levels. Um, and while I am saying that he is our poor, unfortunate soul for this episode, what I'm not saying is cancel, cancel, cancel. At this point, you have canceled, you, you canceled yourself. I don't think we need to make it a movement to get you the fuck out of here because, you know, the energy is flowing. Things are going to happen as however they happen, but what I really hope can happen and will happen for him is that someone who he has an intimate relationship, and I mean, I don't mean like romantic or sexual, but I mean someone who he's close to, someone who he trusts, will be able to have a conversation with him to help him understand why this was not, this just wasn't it, why this missed the mark. Because... Um, what we're seeing happening on the internet right now is a lot of people are just gagging. And so what they're doing is they're just reading him or they're saying cancel him. Um, and he already didn't think he was wrong. So on top of that, that tone is only going to make him get more defensive. And 
it really doesn't create room for people who are not close to him to try to have like a healing conversation or make it a teachable moment. So what I'm hoping is that someone that is near and dear to him can actually have a conversation that will help him understand why this just wasn't giving. He has a new song out talking about giving what it was supposed to give. That wasn't that wasn't that, honey. And speaking of which, if you hate the fact that, you know, people are sucking dick in parking lots or giving head to other men or the gays, you're naming your song, giving what it's supposed to gave, which is the tagline of Rolling Ray, who is very much gay. Um, so I guess he's just one of those suspect individuals that you and your DJ were referring to, but your song is named after his, his words. So that isn't giving what it's supposed to gave in itself. But yeah, so this episode, Our Poor Unfortunate Soul, we're going to go ahead and give it to the baby. You earned it, boo. You have given me baby. You have given me fetus. You have given me embryo. I'm so uh, confused about what was even happening. I don't know when calls to action started to give this. I thought people used to just say, like, put, you know, raise your light if you... If you're from this city or you're from that city or if you got a good job or you making money or something, you look good or something like that. Never heard of a call to action that had anything to do with HIV, AIDS, diseases, people giving head in parking lots and shit like that. So we're going to go ahead and let you have that. But with love and we're going to hope that you can have a moment of reckoning when you when you just you know, you can just humble yourself and actually genuinely say that you apologize because what, what we've received thus far has been giving backhanded compliments. So that's our poor unfortunate soul for this episode, y'all. We're giving it to the baby. Stay tuned for our closing mindfulness message. It's Hex in the City. Thank y'all for sticking with me this long. y'all so we made it to the end thank you guys so much for sticking with me for this episode I know it's been a long one I told myself I would try to make the segments as brief as I could but you know what can I say um but what I wanted to close out with um is a message about self-care obviously earlier we talked about you know sacred space and all of that and I mentioned anxiety Um, and if you are someone who deals with anxious moods or just a person who, like the rest of us human beings, deals with emotions, um, and a fluctuation of emotions, it's very important to have your toolbox set up. Okay, y'all have your toolbox. Now, when I say your toolbox, what I mean is a go-to of resources to take care of yourself when you're not at your best, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, if you're feeling sad, experiencing depressive moods, experiencing anxiety, you gotta have your toolbox already ready before the shit hits the fan. Don't wait until you're pissed or you're having an anxiety attack or whatever to try to figure out like, oh my God, what do I need to do to um, address this? It's not going to work. You got to have your toolbox already set up before the shit hits the fan so you can just immediately go to it. 
Now, when I say have your toolbox set up, what I'm saying is simply know what you need to do to find your center, what you need to do to find your calm. I would suggest starting with a toolbox of at least three things that you know are going to automatically help to de-escalate, to help you center, and to help kind of ease whatever it is that that um, strong emotion is that you're experiencing. Now, for myself, one of those things is biking. Biking, cycling is in my toolbox. Sometimes when I'm experiencing anxiety, I just drop everything and go ride my bike to disassociate from whatever the hell is going on that's giving me the anxiety. I'm not saying that y'all got to hop on a bike like me, but I really want us as a people, especially the the, the black and brown people, um, to have our toolboxes for self-care already set up. And it doesn't have to be a heavy lift, y'all. When I taught mindfulness before in school, I talked to the kids about toolboxes. And sometimes it's just self-management. Sometimes it's just calming down and counting backwards from 10. Now, that is something that's a little bit more low level. I mean, this is what I was teaching like second graders, but it doesn't have to be a heavy lift. Maybe your toolbox item is to just get on the phone and call your best friend or call your mother or whoever your lover because the sound of their voice is just soothing to you and that's going to help you. That's okay and that's valid um, because sound is therapeutic and energy. There's energy in sound. And sometimes you have a person who literally the sound of their voice helps to ease you and center you. You have to know that. And hopefully that person can be um, available to you. But that's why I'm saying have three things in your toolbox. It's like it's like uh, who wants to be a millionaire? We got to have three lifelines because if we can't call a friend and the friend's not there, then what are we going to do? So have three things in your toolbox. Have three things that you know you can go to immediately and that you can access that are going to help you de-escalate and feel better. And I would just like to suggest, in addition to whatever lovely things you guys come up with because you know yourselves better than you know anyone else or you know yourself better than I do, to add positive affirmations to your toolbox. Just throw it in. Just... Throw it, just throw it right on top of whatever else you have going on. Create a list of positive affirmations and put them up somewhere where you can see them. It's nice if they're in your journal, but your journal is not in front of your face all day, every day. Write those affirmations um, on your bathroom mirror. If you're like me and you don't care about writing in dry erase, write them on a paper, put them up on the refrigerator, put them on your desk area, but have them somewhere. Please have these affirmations, you guys, on top of the three that you come up with. So that is my closing message. That's my mindfulness piece. I really, really um, want us to just be experts at taking care of ourselves and handling ourselves when we're not at our best so we can get back to being our best. And like I said yesterday and on our first episode, you're not always going to be at your best and that's okay. But when you got your toolbox, that is showing the universe that you are um, adamant about getting getting back to where you need to be. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I love, love, love you guys so much. I love that you are here. 
and care enough about, not even about me, but about yourself to listen and to absorb. Because I do this for me because um, I feel good being able to help people, but it's really for us. It's, you know, it's for y'all. It's for us. I'm giving Monique now, but I love us for real. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode one, please go back and listen to it. We was gem dropping word to Amanda Seals. We deserve this. Um, And so we're going to continue to love on each other. So make sure you're being compassionate with yourself and others. Make sure you're being graceful with yourself and others and making sure you're um, just practicing, um, you know, practicing self-care as often as possible because the magic does not die. It's Hex in the City. Thank you guys so much. Be blessed. (laughs) 